God bless you. Thank you for joining me for this podcast, Ministry Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson. I am excited about today's podcast, which is a continuation of our teaching on the tangible leadership of God. So this will be part three, as we have been focusing on Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. So part three is going to cover verses 20 through 22. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to join together again. I pray that you will bless my brother and sister as they learn from this teaching that we may uh, use what we hear in our everyday lives and that we may become even more faithful to you as our primary leader, the living God. Thank you for this time again. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at verses 20 uh, through 22, and I want to read that to you. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Verse 22 Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So I hope that you've had the opportunity to listen to parts one and two of this tangible leadership of God teaching. And and I'm hoping that you'll find this as a great way to implement some powerful teachings in your everyday life. As we look at the verses that I've read to you, let's make a few background observations. So Sukkoth at the time was a town in the Jordan Valley. Uh, It was the first stopping place during this Exodus journey. The word is also identified as a Jewish holiday uh, concerning the booths or a temporary dwelling place that's used to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Sukkoth. And then we have one other landmark item that's in the text, and that's Etham. Etham, as it is defined in the text, is at the edge of the desert. And so here we have a visual observation to take in. The Israelites have left Egypt. They're stopping in Sukkoth, and then they're going to stop in Etham. What we see here with the Israelites is that they are in transition. They took stops at Sukkoth and Etham as a part of their time of preparation for what was ahead. And so we look at two words uh, in this observation, and that is transition and preparation. One is going to indicate movement at some point in time to another. Then the other indicates activity to be prepared for transition. That's what preparation is. So the Israelites are in transition from one place to another, ultimately to reach the land of promise or the promised land. And so let's take a pause and think about our own selves as we bring this up to our context. How are you preparing for transition, whether it's physically, emotionally or spiritually? Because I believe that God is transitioning us. I believe he's transitioning the individual believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he's transitioning the church, the body, the ecclesia, the called out ones. 
and that he's also transitioning the world as a whole globally. God is transitioning us, even when the times that we're in right now, even with the coronavirus, even with the political uh, circumstances, not only in the United States, but all over the world. I believe that this is a season of transition. It's a season of transition within our families. It's a season of transition as we deal with the loss of loved ones. It's a season of transition as we try to adjust to the new context that we live in, whether it's with employment or without employment, whether it's dealing with some type of illness or not, whether it's dealing with uh, combining incomes or finding others, family members who are now to live in our home so that we can take care of each other. There are transitions with our young people who are in college, whether it's on the college campus or moving back into their parents' home where they will begin to continue to learn virtually. There's transition even within the marketplace and how people actually do business. Uh, Restaurants may now do more of the takeout part of the business rather than the in-person and sitting down uh, part of the business. Everything is in transition. The climate is in transition. The world is in transition. And when we are in transition, it becomes important that we have that time of preparation, preparing for what is going to take place and also dealing with some of the things uh, that happened prior to the transition. We have to understand that God is dealing with the Israelites. Well, these are people, these are people who have gone through a level of trauma, who have experienced oppression, who have had some level of uncertainty. And God is seeking to transition them from an environment that was conducive for those things to take place, trauma, oppression, disappointment, uncertainty, to a place where he's able to set them and be in relationship with them and provide them with the things that he had promised them. And here are some things that we can acknowledge about transition. I'm talking about transition right now. I'm talking about between Succoth and Etham. As God has moved them from Egypt to Succoth and then to Etham. At the end of the desert is what it means, Etham. Uh, One of the things that we also identify about transition is transition can lead to growth and maturity. Transition can lead to growth and maturity because sometimes it forces us to adapt and adjust. Perhaps you are sensing God moving you, transitioning you uh, from one place to another. And I want you to take note of the fact that this could be a growth moment. This could be a stretching moment. This could be a developing moment. This could be a maturing moment in which God is transitioning you, even if it's mindset, even if it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, whatever the category is, it is a moment in which God is transitioning us for something that is to come. For the Israelites at that point, the most immediate thing that they would experience would be the Red Sea experience. And so God took the Israelites step by step from Sukkoth to Etham, 
for rest, those stops were necessary for recovery, for relaxation. I'm talking about the tangible leadership of God for preparation and inspiration, all in preparation for the Red Sea experience. They did not know how it was going to happen, how the encounter was going to take place, what the details were, but God did. God had that foreknowledge. He has all knowledge because he is omniscient. And so God has taken them step by step. I want to encourage you that even in your transition, whatever it is, whether it's transition in ministry, transition in relationship, transition or whatever, God is that kind of leader, that tangible leader who walks with you step by step through that process, through that transition. And so he gives them places to stop along the way. They're not just stopping there just because, but they're stopping there that they may continue to prepare for what's next. Are you able to discern when it's time to stop and recover? Some of us are so busy and on the move and on the go and got our vision plan and we know what the next step is and all those kinds of things that we don't take the necessary stops, the necessary pauses that will prepare us for what's coming next. And so I want to uh, uh, really ask the Lord in my prayer time for you and for myself is that we're able to discern when it is time to stop and recover. I've talked to, to you about this before, about self-care, taking care of self, body, soul, mind, and spirit. And so do you know what the pull of God is upon you to communicate when he wants you to stop, to recover, and prepare? Do you know that impression that's on your heart? Do you know when God speaks to you in a dream, a vision, or through someone else, or some other means in which God is communicating to you when he wants you to stop? So in the text, we see God. He is the primary leader who is leading Moses, and then in turn, Moses is the secondary leader who is giving direction to God's people, the Israelites. God is the primary leader. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to write down, because God has the vision. He knows the way and he has the provision for the journey. God is the primary leader because he has the vision. He knows the way and he has the provision for the journey. God must be in our own mindset, in our own perception, the primary leader, regardless of who he's using to lead us. I spoke about that in part two. And so it's worth reiterating again. God is the primary leader. He knows the vision. He knows the way to go. Let me tell you something else. He knows us and he has the provision for the journey. Let's look at verse 21. Again, by the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Notice something. God is in front of the people. 
He is leading and he is ahead of them. Why? Because he has the vision. He knows the way and he has the provision for the journey. I want you to begin to look to see God ahead of you with the vision who knows the way and has the provision for the journey. Let's deconstruct this verse for better and greater understanding. So God is leading the Israelites and he's leading them on a continual basis to get them to the place he's destined for them. Here's the observation. God, write this down. God is leading them through all conditions. God is leading the Israelites through all conditions. When I say all conditions, the text tells us he's leading them by day, the pillar of cloud, and he's leading them by night, the pillar of fire. God is leading them through all conditions, all seasons, day and night, hot or cold, clear or hazy, rainy or clear. It doesn't matter because God is not impacted by the conditions. He is leading them, oh hallelujah, through all conditions. I don't know what conditions you may be experiencing. I don't know if it's day or night. Whether And I'm also speaking not just in a literal sense of day and night, but also in a symbolic way where it may be a day season where you can see things clear. Do you know where you're going? Or the night season where it is dark, but you need the illumination of God, the amplification of God through the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in those dark seasons. God is leading them in the text in all conditions. So it doesn't matter what the conditions are, whether society is in upheaval. God is leading in all conditions. Whether it's, a, whether it's a, during a season where you just can't see your way, God is leading in all seasons. Whether it's in a time of political upheaval, God is leading in all conditions. So whatever the circumstances is, um, those circumstances cannot overwhelm God because he has the ability to address all circumstances. And so God leads us in all conditions. Here's another observation. The people are depending on the leadership of God. Now, we can understand that there are probably some people who have some attitudes. There are probably some people who are saying, where are we going? There are probably some people saying, this is great. There are some other people who are saying, I can't wait till we get to the promised land. Uh, there are a number of uh, perspectives and uh, people in terms of how they feel about this movement, this transition that are going on in this crowd of people, millions of folks. But for the majority of the people, they are moving in a direction that God is leading. And so there could have been those that were complaining, some that were negative, but the majority, they kept it moving. And there might be times that we are not sure about where God is leading us and how he's leading us and where and all those kinds of things because we have the lack of the information. I want to encourage you to keep it moving. Keep it moving in a direction that God is guiding, leading, pulling, dragging, carrying, because we're going to get to the destination that God has designated for us. 
And so not only uh, did God lead in all conditions, but God was aware of the needs of those who followed him. He understood, remember, in, in part one, we talked about how God took them in a roundabout way. He did not take them the way of the Philistines because they would want to revert back to Egypt for fear of the Philistines. So God took them the long route because he understood the needs of the people. I want to reiterate to you again, God understands your needs and my needs in the season that you're in through all the conditions that you are going through. And here what we see, we see the primary leader, God, and we see Moses and the Israelites as the followers. So, yes, we have the tangible leadership of God, but there must also be that tangible fellowship of you and me and the disciples of Christ following God. There is such thing as fellowship, following behind God. And so we need to uh, talk about that for a bit as we prepare uh, to bring this teaching to a close uh, and begin uh, part four on next week. So let's talk about fellowship. You know, when we were growing up as children, we were taught those games that taught us about leadership and it also taught us about fellowship, right? So we had games like Mother May I. Those kinds of games taught us, one, to ask for permission to do something and then to do exactly what we were told we were able to do. And if we were not, we had to deal with the consequences. So we say, Mother, may I take 10, uh, five big steps and the person on the other end would say, yes, you may. And you would take five big steps. Okay. And you say, mother, may I take three baby steps? And mother would say, no, you may take two baby steps. And then you say, I'm going to take three anyhow. And if you took three, then you had to go all the way back and start over because we did not follow Leadership, who was the person who was uh, serving as mother. We learned that as children. We learned what leadership looked like. And then we also learned what fellowship looked like. Okay. And so fellowship requires a couple of things. Let me share those things. Fellowship requires obedience. Okay. Even the scripture says obedience is, obedience is better than sacrifice. So obedience is to come into compliance. We talked about that in, in part one. Come into compliance willingly with what God has said or directed or guided us to do. And so it also requires trust, talking about fellowship, and it requires desire to carry out whatever that was uh, given to us. And so one of the things that God would have us to do in this season, I want you to hear me, is to perfect our ability to follow. To perfect our ability to follow. To follow him, to follow the leadership that he's placed before you. I'm repeating some of the things now that we're in part two. But God is speed to us to follow, to perfect our ability to follow. 
Here's an example of that in New Testament text, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Very hard lesson here that Jesus gives. Uh, after he has just rebuked Peter, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This fellowship of God, this fellowship of Christ by way of discipleship is costly because it requires us to run after God. It requires us to deny ourselves, to come under the leadership, the submission of God. And we no longer look to what we want to do, but what he wants to do to take up our cross and follow him. Get behind him, go where he goes, take whatever turn he takes, whatever flank he makes. That becomes a part of our direction as well. And so God's tangible leadership also included his presence. God was present through the whole ordeal. He's present. He's present with the pillar of cloud. He's present with the pillar of fire. He's present with the direction that he's giving Moses. He's present when they get to the Red Sea. He's present from Sukkoth to Etham. He's present even when they stop to recover, to relate, to refresh. God is present and his presence, as I shared with you before, it's going to create some things that I've said in part part two or part one. It's going to create confidence. My children are confident when I'm present because I'm dad and me being dad is inclusive of a lot of things that dad's going to protect, dad's going to provide, dad's going to guide, dad's going to be there. I'm going to hear his voice as long as I hear dad's voice. I know he's good, okay? I know that I'm good because my presence in their lives communicates a lot of things. And so with God being present, it communicates confidence. It communicates security and comfort, okay? Because God was present with them. Security because God brings provision. Uh, security and confidence because God brings his power and his authority. And so the children, uh, the Israelites are watching God manifest his power through the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud on their behalf. They are seeing the tangible, interactive, touchable leadership of God. I want you to see God moving. Hallelujah. Every day in your life, I want you to see whether it's the pillar of fire or the pillar of cloud. Whether it's a season where you believe you can see your way, but I don't want you to take your eye off the pillar of cloud. Because even when we believe that we can see where we're going, know what we're going, we have the vision it still becomes important that we follow the pillar of cloud because God is looking from a different perspective and he sees all of the moving pieces that surrounds where we are, that surrounds the far off areas that are coming, that are developing. And so we need, hallelujah, to follow the pillar of cloud by day. When life is so clear, it's smooth, 
it's going the way we think it needs to be going. We need to still keep our eyes on the pillar of cloud fellowship. And then in those night seasons, when we need the pillar of fire, where we can't see the enemy's footprints, we don't know what the strategy is that he has for us. But as long as we're looking to the light, hallelujah, looking to the power of the Holy Ghost, as we're looking to the spirit of God, as we're looking at the pillar of fire, that even in the night season, glory to God, we can still see our way because his light is going to be a lamp unto our feet. His word, right? His light is going to show us the sure steps that we can take and help us to jump over holes, to, to dodge those pitfalls that we may walk into if we did not have the light. So the Israelites had God. Hallelujah. Leading them during the day season. And the night season, it doesn't matter what season we're in. Look up. Hallelujah. Whatever season it is, look up. Don't take it for granted. Even in the day season, look up in the night season. Look up for the pillar of fire. And so our focus is to concentrate on being a good follower of God, a good follower of Christ during whatever season that we are experiencing. So let me just reiterate some main points uh, that you can write down uh, as we bring this teaching to a close. Uh, some main points here. Number one is to look up for guidance and direction, regardless of what season that you are in. Look up for guidance and direction, regardless of what season you are in. Because you could see something totally different. But in the spirit of God, there are actually angels that are surrounding you and a host of angels fighting on your behalf. But we only see that when we look up. OK, look to Jesus and live. Right. We're looking up to him. Here's the second thing. Discern what or who God is using to guide you along. What I'm saying is discern the pillar of cloud, discern the pillar of fire. It may not be a cloud and it may not be fire, but what tangible thing, hallelujah, is God using to guide you on a daily basis, whether it's in your day season or even in your night season? What tangible thing, person, object is God using to lead you. Expect God to lead during all conditions. Conditions have nothing on you and me when we are following the tangible leadership of God. I want you to expect God to cover all needs. Whatever you need, God is going to provide it. Whatever you and I need in this transition, God is going to provide it. If you don't have it, then you don't need it. Because God is going to provide what we need in this transition phase. And what we may perceive as need may not be a need because God is going to supply every need that we have. 
Here, I want you to lavish in the presence of God. When, be aware that God is present. You are not alone. You're not by yourself. Lo, I will be with you even until the end of time. God is present. And what you want to experience is the manifest presence of God. Not just the omnipresence of God that he is everywhere, but that type of presence of God where you can reach out and touch and experience who he is in a very tangible way. Understand that God is going to illuminate our path even during the dark seasons. And God leads us even when we believe we can see for ourselves in that day season. I want to encourage you to follow the tangible leadership of God. I hope you've been blessed by this teaching here. Try to make it as simple and practical as possible. And I hope it is a blessing to you. Thank you for joining me for this part three of the tangible leadership of God found in Exodus chapter 13. Uh, tonight we dealt with verses 20 through 22. I look forward to sharing with you on part four as we go right into chapter 14. God bless you. I love you. This is Dr. Jackson. Thank you for joining me for Ministry Moments.